Well, it is finally here. The 2019-20 NHL regular season just days away. And guys, we made it. <laughs> it kind of feels like it's been a bit of a grind. We started catching up with the players in mid-August, and from there you get into rookie camp, training camp, the two-a-days, all of that in the rearview mirror, and now it is time to get going for real. Thank you for joining us today on the Firestarter Podcast. My name is Ryan Dietrich alongside Brendan Parker, Tori Peterson, and Peter Lubardius. And guys, before we get going and looking ahead to the new season, I want to look back a little bit because this was a fascinating training camp from a number of different perspectives. And, and Brandon, I want to get your thoughts first here on what impressed you and what you saw out of some of the guys that were fighting for jobs and really made a case for themselves right down to the wire. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. By the way, this is actually a round table this year. So uh, I like that. We are, uh, we are literally around the round table. And, you know, I don't know. There was, a, there was a lot to take out of camp, I thought. I mean, there was the obvious ones that we kind of expected coming into camp in the you know contract department and uh, eventually everybody got into camp and everybody got in at least one exhibition game i think that was kind of you know one of the things was how long would these things drag into and i think you know around the national hockey league it all came to a pretty reasonable conclusion everybody got signed before the season started which is what you want to see you always want to have the best players in everyone's lineup and so to see matthew kachuk get in that final exhibition game was great but to me one of the biggest takeaways was looking at the organizational depth of this team I think it was kind of you know you you looked at how many guys graduated from Stockton over the last couple of years and you wonder you know sort of how much depth this team has going down the list and just to see where where it's now entered into train entered into the regular season out of training camp one of the things that stood out to me the most is just how much competition there was for spots on this on this team. And we'll talk about a lot of those guys right now, but the first kind of guys that come to mind, you know, are, are the likes of Alan Quine and, and even a guy like Glenn Godden who, um, you know, it just shows you kind of up the middle where this team is as far as guys who are still pushing to get onto this roster. It's a hard team to make. Dylan Dubé is another example of a guy that, you know, is trying to do everything he can to be an everyday NHLer, and it's hard. And if you if you want to make this team, you have to do everything right. It's not just about one thing. It's not about offense. You have to be a really good overall player, and I don't think the organization could be any more happy with how difficult it's been to make this NHL team. And it seems like in many ways, too. I mean, we came into camp this year thinking – in some ways that we had a pretty good idea of what this roster was going to look like come Thursday. But yeah. there were some surprises. And then you brought in some PTOs, guys like Zach Ronaldo played pretty well. And obviously we have to mention Toby Reeder, who had a tremendous camp and finished it off in style with a couple of goals against his former squad. So, uh, Peter, just going over to you and, and thinking about what this team was able to accomplish on the on sort of the back end of the lineup because that appeared to be set in some ways but got shaken up a little bit because guys were performing. Well, this is a very different preseason for me and all the ones that I've been at. And basically, to somewhat echo Brendan's thoughts, is this team has moved into a new neighborhood. And what I mean by a new neighborhood is this is a good team. I really feel like they've taken another step. So this camp, more than any other, was not as much about watching the battles from within it was watching for me the development of a Glenn Godden, of a Matthew Phillips, of people that you don't figure to be prominently in the plans now, but where might you be in the big puzzle going forward? But as far as what happened, Matthew Kachuk has to be the big story because that was the number one question. Would he sign? 
what would he sign for and what was the term going to be. And fortunately, the two sides made a deal at a reasonable price, which didn't force your hand, Brad Treleving and company, to deal anybody until they decide down the road. And I don't know if that's part of today's conversation because they're up against it. You need flexibility. Tobias Reader of everyone outside of some of the young kids and starting to continue to now what I would say retool from the farm out because so many of your good young players are now in the National Hockey League. So now it's, you know, it's like a wheel. You got to keep putting people on the wheel that can potentially, when other people move on, be in that position. But Reader, when Bill Peters described him late last week as an elite penalty killer, there was no doubt in my mind that this guy was going to play. Now, it's an absolute anomaly. I don't even know how this guy who scored between 12 and 16 every year in his career, and remember he's only 26, could go 67 and not get one. The one doesn't bounce off his bum or one doesn't go in off his melon or his nose or somewhere, but it didn't happen. But he showed, I thought, and I think we'd all agree, that this is an NHL player. And, and the fact of the matter is, you know, to completely echo Brendan's thoughts, this team's good enough now that unless you are truly... By and large, an 82-game NHL-type player, you're not in here. And that hasn't been the case. That probably, to wrap it in a bow for me, is the difference of this preseason in compared to pretty much every other one that I've been around for. It's amazing, too, because you said he didn't get those bounces last year. And then his second of the night on Saturday goes off. We don't even know what that was, but he's just kind of joked that he was trying to get out of the way of that yeah. one. But Shaft of his stick. Yeah, so there yeah. you go, right? Those are the we all thought it was Brody. Yeah. I know I did. Yeah. He, he literally said to me in the tunnel after the game, we were waiting to do the uh, first star interview, and he said, I, I, I was actually <laughs> trying to move out of the way, yeah. and it hit me. So I think the only one who knew was Matthew Kachuk because he turned and gave him right over. And you could see it, too. I mean, not only – Cam Talbot and the guys, Milan Lucic, guys that he played with last year. But there were guys on the Flames bench who know what he went through last year. That's a tough situation. And then he knew it too, but he's coming with an attitude that is just, you would never know that a guy went through what he went through because his attitude has been so positive and he's fit in so seamless, it appears, with this Flames group. No, and it doesn't look like a guy who didn't score a single goal last year. And for I didn't see the game on Saturday, unfortunately. I was not here, but I went and looked back at the highlights when I got back into town. And just to see him be able to score against his former team, that's got to be a boost as well. Um, but to get two, even if, like you said, off the shaft of his stick, it doesn't matter how it goes in, it went in. So to have that those two goals go in and have that before the regular season starts, that's got to give him a huge boost heading into this regular season. Um, But he had so many chances in the preseason that I was sure they were going to happen because we watched him multiple times on a short-headed breakaway or in front of the net, it just goes wide or it just tips over the net. He had so many chances that you knew at some point it had to go in. Like there couldn't, it couldn't go much longer without scoring a goal for him because he's such a skilled player. He's so speedy. That's the one thing that really jumped out at me watching him live over the preseason was how fast he is and how quickly he can get into open space and allow himself to set up scoring opportunities for himself and his line mates. So it had to go in at some point. I'm really happy it went. Two of them went in against his former team before the regular season starts because I think for him that's going to really elevate his game to the next level um, come Thursday. 
uh, Tori, just sticking with you, and no disrespect to the gentleman to my left and right, but you are a resident prospect guru, so uh, it was a big year, um, not only for the team uh, that we expect to see on Thursday, but for many of the Flames prospects that were graduating from junior or in the case of guys like Martin Pospisil, the USHL. So what did you think of their uh, first foray into preseason action this time? I really liked Adam Rzichka's preseason. I thought he elevated his game as the preseason went along. He's finding his stride at the pro level. I think it's going to serve him really well as he heads into Stockton this year. He has all the tools to be a power forward in the NHL, all of them. He can skate. He's a big man. He can throw his weight around, and he has very soft hands. He knows how to put the puck in the back of the net. So to see him gain that confidence as he went through the preseason was really good as he heads into his first pro season. Uh, Another guy I was really, really impressed with was Artem Zagadulin, as I think most people were. Uh, For a guy who's never played in North America, for him to come in and turn in the kind of performances he did early in the preseason is very, very good for this organization. To find a guy like that in Russia and not have to use a draft pick on him and sign him as a free agent, huge for the organization. He played in that last game in uh, road game in San Jose. I know it was a tough go for him, but it gave him a taste of what it's going to be like to play against professional players in North America because that was a veteran Sharks lineup, and he didn't have a lot of help in terms of it was a very rookie-laden roster in San Jose that they brought, so the defense was not what you'd have call an NHL defense. Coming in cold. Coming in cold in the third period, and uh, it was probably a good wake-up call for him heading into this season because he got a taste of what it's going to be like to play against larger, stronger players. So those two I thought were really impressive in the uh, preseason in terms of being able to parlay that into a strong start to the regular season, so I'm looking forward to watching Stockton this year. Just uh, switching gears a little bit, obviously the the preseason came to a close on on Saturday, and uh, right after the game, the team bust out to Kananaskis for a little team-building adventure uh, Saturday uh, night, Sunday, through the day on Monday, and, of course, back on Tuesday here today to begin practice for their Thursday preparation. But uh, in preparation for that, uh, there was a lot of talk, Lubo, about the way that this team wanted to use that, not only as an opportunity to galvanize the group that they have now, but also flush what happened in the playoffs last spring. What do you take out of that? We need a whole other podcast, I think. <laughs> well, we got so, time. So, well, no, I don't have time. Um, no, of course I have time. Listen, um, you can either get to the root of things in life or you can pretend that they're going to go away. And the fact of the matter is, when you take major steps, as this team did, and performed nowhere near up to the level in that five-game playoff series, you need to do a full, deep dive. And what I love about what they did on the weekend and bringing in that group that's worked with teams like the New England Patriots and the Boston Bruins is I've never in my long career felt that it is more important than people development. Uh, I just think we're in a different time, in a different age, in society. I think... It's very reflective in hockey, and I think more now than ever, it is really hard for people to understand accountability. And I think part of that process, while I was not there, I've not really talked to any about it, is just flushing it, understanding your individual role in it. And for some guys, they would have taken it very hard and would have owned a lot of it. And for other guys, to be frank, probably wouldn't have owned enough of it. 
But my overall thought is I think it is absolutely fantastic that this organization moves in a direction where it's one thing to analyze and go through all the analytics and watch tape and watch video. We have to understand why people can succeed in certain situations and why they don't. And diving deeper into that and forcing people to really understand maybe why they did or why they didn't is, I think, a massive potential step forward. And there's a lot of pressure that comes along with that because at the end of the day, we we can talk about playoff success or lack thereof all we want, but this is a team that had tremendous success during the regular season last year. So, Brennan, what are your thoughts on going into a season where they've already done so much of what you can expect out of a team when it comes to regular season performance? 107 points, they win the Pacific Division title. What do they do for an encore, and how do they sort of limit the pressure that they may put on themselves so that doesn't get in the way of the long-term goal? Well, well, there's two things here. I mean, there's one is the fact that you have to get there first. You have to be a good team just to get there, and you can't overlook 82 games. That's way too much. There's too much of a body there. So you know that this team is going to have to go right back through that. And, And part of the mental thing that I think, you know, Lubo, you're talking about is, is A, looking honestly, honestly about what happened when it mattered the most. But the other thing is, is to not view that as the be-all and end-all now because there's this whole journey that this whole team has to go right back through again. And it's kind of like, I always use that sort of example of the Olympics. You know, you spend a quadrennial, four years, getting ready for an Olympic Games. It's over, over the course right. of 10 days. And then you got to wait four more years to get back there. So if you had a disappointing performance on that one downhill run or that one lose run, just thinking about that journey back to that one moment would be monumental. But so you have to kind of start start at scratch again, but but also just sort of embrace it. Like, you know, they all came in with this fresh perspective of it's going to be a business-like atmosphere and we're going to treat this you know, like, like another season, but we're going to treat it like we are a good team and they know they're a good team. I have no doubts that this team's going to come back into the regular season and be good again, but you can't look that far ahead. Like, I think you have to treat that with, with a, with a different perspective when you get there, but you got to get there first. And when you get there, then, then you take all that experience that you had last year. And then you take all that conversation you had in Kananaskis. And then you take the experiences you had over 82 games and then you kind of build it again. And you can't, you just can't, you can't try to fix a playoff problem or a, or a, pro, a perceived, you know, from a year ago right now. I think it's you, you, what they did. You know, you talk about it and you converse about it. But at the end of the day, Thursday's fresh. Brendan, just to add one more point to it, I couldn't agree more. So when we hear all the time about process, yeah. It's important to understand the process, but as, as we all go along in our lifelong journeys, here's at 54 what I've finally gotten through my thick skull. I can't fix what's happened in the past. The only thing I can do is own anything that I didn't like, learn from it, and go forward. And, and when Bill Peters says to you in the morning... All we can do is be the best that we can be today. And Tori, you think about you think about 
Tom Brady and the Patriots. Okay, people get sick and tired. I, you know, you don't get much from those guys. But the fact of the matter is, what do they do? Their mindset is to truly approach every day and every opponent like that's all they can take care of. And that's the right way to approach this season, I think. Because like you said, you can't fix a a perceived problem that you had last year. It's in the past. It's done. You can learn from it. Uh, And I think this trip to Kananaskis will be beneficial in a lot of ways. Uh, One way that I think might be a little bit understated is how well they know each other. This is a tight-knit team. They They were very tight knit last year, one of the tightest groups I've seen in my time here. But this will allow them to maybe take another step and understand how they can elevate each other as teammates throughout the year. They're learning who each other are on and off the ice and how that can benefit them as they go about their journey this season. I think having a Milan Lucic here, a Tobias Reeder, these new faces in the room um, will also help because they're learning about these new guys and what they can do to help the team. And it's building um, a tighter knit group, a camaraderie that maybe will help them take that next step, that incremental next step that will push them forward. And I think that is going to be hugely beneficial as well. Well, and as we saw last year, and just ask the St. Louis Blues, I mean, just get in, just get in and see what happens. And if you're playing well at the right time, obviously anything can happen. So that journey, of course, beginning on Thursday, I just kind of want to go around the table a little bit. And, and generally speaking, this roster looks very similar to what we saw last year. Obviously, some some players brought in some new additions, but uh, let's go around the table and maybe talk about one guy that we expect to either impress, maybe take a big step this year, um, somebody that's going to turn heads for Flames fans. Uh, let's start with you, Brennan. Oh, right off the bat. Um, well, there's a few guys, and I'm not going to just start listing guys because I don't want to. I don't want to take anyone else's answer away. But but for me, one of the names that stands out, and, and you say kind of you know take a step, and I, I think we saw this guy take a step last year. Um, but I think there's another significant step or two to take for him, and that's uh, number four, Rasmus Anderson. I think, I think he's a guy that we could see, you know, log some really heavy minutes for this team as he as his career continues to progress. And I think, you know, the fact that he's been kind of used on the power play throughout the preseason, and and I think there's another element to his game offensively that we could start to see creep in. I, I just look for this guy to even though he already kind of came on the scene and maybe he's not going to be the big surprise this year, I think for me he's a player who could become um, a really important piece of this team's back end. And I think it's already starting. I think even in the preseason I was I was really impressed about, I'll say maturity, but it, there seems to be you know sort of a calmness to his game on the defensive side. I, I think he just, you just watch this guy blossom a little bit more this year I think that's that's going to be my my pick I'm going with Sam Bennett I really have liked his play in the preseason and you've seen him over he's still young but you've seen him over his first few years of his career trying to figure out what his role is in the NHL because it's going to be different than it was in Kingston there's no doubt about it but it takes some time to figure out where you fit within this group and with this coaching staff and how you can be at your best in the NHL. And I think he's found that niche now. I think he's settled into a role that he's comfortable with, that he's confident in. And you heard Bill Peters speak about him a bit in the preseason about how he could figure into the top six. This is a guy who has lots of skill, a lot of grit, and can really make an impact in games at crucial times. And he's gained the coaching staff's trust. So I think this year you're going to see Sam Bennett take a really big step in his career and really solidify his role as a Calgary Flame. 
Okay, so I'm going to go a little bit off the board here, and I'm going to preface this first by saying we need to keep the expectations for Milan Lucic realistic. Obviously, both him and James Neal needing a fresh start, and we won't go over all that again. But I have been absolutely infatuated with the way that Milan Lucic has been used so far, especially on the power play. Now, I know things are going to be a little bit different now with the return of Matthew Kachuk. On Saturday, he was off that top unit and played more on the second unit, but... If we go back to that game against the Winnipeg Jets when he had an absolute monster night, what did he do well? He parked himself in front of the net and was an absolute menace for the defenders to deal with. But in addition to that, and maybe more importantly, this just provides a whole lot more options for the Calgary Flames on the man advantage now. You've got Johnny Gaudreau walking off the half wall, whether it be his natural or off wing, and he's feeding Elias Lindholm or could put it up across the blue paint to find Lucic in front, or if that option's not available, maybe put it back to the point and allow Gio to blast away. All of a sudden, the defenders have to respect each one of those options. So to me, it's fascinating because this is turning an already dangerous Flames power play and adding just another layer, another dimension to it. Now, I'm not going to put any numbers on it because I think that would be unfair to Milan and he's looking to sort of resurrect what didn't go well last year in Edmonton, but I do think this adds a different wrinkle, so I'm excited to see it in game action. Well, I want to thank both of you for uh, taking my first two choices. Yeah, I knew it. I mean, we've had those conversations throughout camp already, so I knew I was going to steal some thunder. But... I'm going to go a little off the grid. I like it. There we go. I'm going to go with number 55, Noah Hannafin. Now, Noah, at his tender age, already has 319 games in the NHL. That's crazy. That, that is crazy for a guy who's 22 years old. Um, ended up with 33 points last year. I would say the one thing we probably know going into Thursday is he and Travis Hamanick are going to play together, and I don't foresee that potentially changing. But if it does, it might have something to do with the growth of Noah Hannafin. Now, do I think point production-wise, do I see him going from 33 to 50? Not necessarily. But one of my takeaways in the preseason is if you want to talk about gifts for a defenseman, Noah Hannafin has it all. He skates like a gazelle. Uh, He gets up and down the ice. Um, I think defensively, he's gotten better and better with every passing year. And I just sense that he's starting to feel a little bit more comfortable moving up the ice, getting himself involved. I don't think he necessarily, like if I compare him to Rasmus Anderson, I think for Anderson, his ability to see and read the game and feel it, that, that's one of his strengths, but he doesn't skate the same way. Hannafin does. I just, I just have an odd sense that he's going to take his game to a, to another place this season. Well, and if you think of career progression for defensemen, you know, despite the fact he's already entering what is it, year five now mm-hmm. with the, in the National Hockey mm-hmm. League, which is hard to believe. Age-wise, if you forget about how many games he's played in years, he's been in the National Hockey League already. You think of like this is a guy that's probably just starting to figure it out at that age, just how to think the game at that level. So it kind of, you know, it would make sense that that a guy like Noah Hannafin, despite all of the years and games he's played, 
you know, would start to kind of come into his own at that at that age. It's crazy to believe how young he really is. And I think Travis Hamannick as a partner has really helped oh, too. Yeah, without, it's a calming presence for him to grow and develop as a defenseman. To have that guy next to you, that's only going to benefit him long term because Travis is just so rock solid. There is nothing that can help. Chemistry is massive. In any situation, when you have chemistry with a partner and you truly have the ability to make one another better, it's a really powerful thing. And they work on it. They sure do. All right, and just one last piece of business before we go. The season, of course, kicks off on Thursday as the Flames travel to Denver to take on the Colorado Avalanche. But the Scotiabank home opener goes on Saturday at 8 p.m. Puck drop against the Vancouver Canucks. Limited tickets do remain, so head over to calgaryflames.com slash tickets to grab yours now before they're all gone. All right, thanks, guys, and thank you for listening to the Firestarter Podcast. We'll catch you next week.